is goody people welcome back to another episode of the good and safe podcast it's still me your girl a dizzle with the sizzle okay so i know this isn't exactly like two weeks later but you know things happen and they happen why they happen but then we're here anyway so today's a very special episode because i'm not the one that's going to be taking it I have a special guest and you'll find out as you continue to listen who she is. But then if you've been listening to this podcast, you probably already have a few guesses. But yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode and uh, till next time we'll talk. Love looks not with the eyes, but with the mind and therefore is wing cupid painted blind. Hi guys, the Soja Girl here, Enyo Hemu, and I'm really excited to be doing this. I'm also really grateful to A Dizzle with the Sizzle for this opportunity because I believe it's such a big deal to be on this podcast, right? I also want to say you're doing such a great job, Adi, and I'm super proud of you and I love you so much. Okay, um, speaking about love, that's what we're going to be talking about today and I hope you're ready. In fact, I'll give you a minute to just prepare your heart, prepare your mind for what you're about to receive because I promise you, it's going to be bomb. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for um, the person currently listening. I thank you for what you're, you're about to do in their lives. I thank you that even as they listen to this podcast, every hurt, every pain is healed by the working of your spirits in them, is healed by the love of God in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God, because... Your love is the best thing that ever happened to man. And we're about to experience more and more of that today in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I, while I was um, doing my research and preparing preparing this, I was, I, I, I didn't even know where to start from. Because I mean, love is such, a, it's such a broad topic and it's very, it's just, it's just love. Like, <laughs> but yeah, okay, we're going to start from, definition right and firstly we're going to define it from a historic point of view love the word love was first used 5,000 years ago it was known as lube I'm not sure that's how it's pronounced but it's spelled l-e-u-b-h a word used by the proto-indo-europeans to describe care and desire today's points of view or rather society's points of view says According to the thoughtscatalog.com, society tells us love is a 2 a.m. text message telling someone how lonely you are. Society defines love as an avenue to selfishly satisfy your own desires. Society thinks that love is disposable. I also asked some friends what the first thing that came to their mind was whenever they heard the word love. Many said Jesus, some others said friendships, and one person said basketball, and I think that's really cool. So what then is love? I've given you a historic point of view. I've given you today's point of view or, or society's point of view, and even the opinions of some of my friends. Let's see what God has to say about this. The one who transcends time and cultures and people and the creator of people, including my friends. First, he would open to 1 John 4, would read from verses 7, 1 John 4. 
version 4 verse 7 i'm reading from the nlt version it says dear friends let us continue to love one another for love comes from god anyone who loves is a child of god and knows god but anyone who does not love does not know god for god is love for god is love this means that if you want to know what love is or what love looks like you simply look at god sounds perfect right the bible lets us understand that jesus christ is a revelation of god according to john chapter 1 verses 1 to 14. so if you want to know what love is you look at the person of jesus christ first john 3 16 a that's the first verse says by this we know love because he laid down his life for us john 3 16 says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life it is worthy of note that the first time love was mentioned in the bible was in genesis 22 2 when abraham was instructed to offer his only begotten son as a sacrifice to god shadowing what god himself was going to do with his son in the fullness of time glory to god of a sacrificial <laughs> john 15 13 says greater love had no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends we can now conclude that jesus death on the cross for the salvation of mankind was a demonstration of love the greatest form ever known to man not only did he die but he rose after the third day so that all who believe and all sorry and all who believe in this good news receive salvation justification and eternal life with jesus himself this is the gospel and the love of god isn't just seen in the death of jesus on the cross but in the simplicity of this gospel that all one needs to get saved is to believe in this grace message let's see ephesians 2 8 to confirm that open your bibles to ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and i read kjv this time it says but by grace are you saved through faith and that's not of yourselves it is the gift of god hallelujah amen so if you ever feel that god doesn't love you here are things to remember first of all the standard for measuring god's love is not your feelings it is the gospel that he has fulfilled his plan to accept the death of Jesus as atonement for our sins and has since bestowed eternal life on all who believe. Rest in this knowledge. Rest in the fact that if he could give us his son, how much more will he not freely give us all things? According to Romans 8 2. Secondly, set your affections right. You're not an emotional being that should be tossed to and fro by every wind of emotion. You are a spiritual being. So you can put your emotions and those disturbing thoughts under control by speaking to them. You can tell emotions how to feel. I know it sounds silly, but it's true. Remember, joy is a fruit of your regenerated spirit. It is um, a product of the Holy Spirit working is it's a product of the holy spirit's work in you as a believer it's it's part of your identity it is who you are it is what your life should depict thirdly 
you may not have money in your pockets. Your relationship might not be relationship goals. Um, things might not be going right, okay? But don't, but don't ever let those things define God's love for you. Because eventually, every of these, eventually these things would, would, would fall into place. So whenever the depressing thoughts come, meditate on God's love. By meditating, you also speak, speak to yourself about it that God gave me his best in Christ Jesus. So I can tell my emotions how to feel. Joy is a fruit of my newborn spirit. Let's check that in Galatians 5, chapter 5, verses 22. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22. And it says, But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And fourth, Lee, the fourth thing to remember, sorry, learn to pray about your situation. Sometimes you may think God is using it to punish you, but it may just be an attack of the devil. And even in that, you're not alone. God has got you. Now, to some of us, these things I'm saying sound strange, and it's most likely because we haven't experienced this type of love before. Or you might be thinking, God's love for me, must have reduced to or something. He's probably disappointed me because I've had my setbacks. I've made a mess of myself. I've had one or two slippings. First Corinthians 13 describes this love. Let's go there. First Corinthians chapter 13 says, from verse four, I'll read the NLT. Um, I'll read from the NLT version. It says, love is patient and kind. Sorry, what did I sound like? <laughs> love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. That is, it is not selfish. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does, no re- it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. This scripture describes this love, it describes love of God. I mean, who best tell you what love is than he who created you, right? God's love for us is unconditional. And he, mon- he demonstrated this in his word. I mean, the Bible is replete with demonstrations and examples of God's love. The Bible itself is a compendium of the plan, provision, and announcements of salvation. And as we see in John 3, 16, this plan and provision of salvation was founded on the basis of love for God to love the world that he gave. He offered up his son. He sacrificed his son. As I told me first, and he has fulfilled his, his plan in accepting Jesus' death as our death and has since bestowed eternal life on all who believe. So the Bible should definitely be replaced with demonstrations and examples of God's love. And the first one we'd be looking at is the Demonstration of the love of God in the book of Hosea. So, backstory, this is what God told um, Prophet Hosea to um, get married to a harlot, a prostitute, an adulterer. And, I mean, he was a demonstrative prophet. That is, like, his life, his experience um, following a particular instruction was to communicate to the people what God what, um, was trying to tell them what God wanted to communicate to them, right? 
So he told, um, he instructed Hosea to get married to an, um, an adulteress, a harlot, right? And it just mirrored the relationship God had with Israel. Because, I mean, he told the woman, I'm getting married, they did marriage and he told everything. But every single time, it was like, how, how, it was, it was like it was in her nature. She'd always go back. And then the funny thing, it might, it might be annoying, but the funny thing was that Jose, Prophet Jose would always go back in search. He'd always go in search of her whenever she's not, she's not home, whenever she's not there, whenever she ran away from, from him. And that's, that's what, that's what, what God, that's, that was the relationship status of God and the Israelites. After he'd saved these people, he'd, um, cleanse them and purify them and all of that, they would still go back. And according to the Bible, they would be ahoring with all the other adulterous nations, everybody but God. Second, um, another example is the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son. God, God is the one who does not leave the one. I mean, parable of the lost sheep. He kept the 99 shepherds together, I'm sure it's in a safe place. And then he went to look for the one. And when he found it, he didn't just say, yeah, yeah, follow me, follow me. <laughs> he carried it. And then he said, told his neighbors, I found my lost sheep. The same thing with the parable of the lost coin. The lady was looking for her coin. This is in Luke 15, by the way. And then she swept, she swept the house. She says she swept her house. She lighted a candle. That's to show she put in effort to get this one soul, this one coin that was missing. And that's how God goes in search of a lost soul. Hallelujah. Amen. And and finally, I'd be using the example of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son, and that is what would be um, reading together, and I'd be analyzing it, and this was going to happen. I'd read a portion, and then I'd explain it to you so you get the message in full. Amen? All right, so let's get into it. Open your Bibles to Luke 15. Don't tell me you've opened your, your, your Bibles, but you're not. Like, I promise you, such a good read. You'd... You don't want to open your Bible. Okay. Luke 15 from verses 11. And he said, this was Jesus. Um, a certain man, you know what, let me, just, let me start from verse, I'll read from verse 1 to 3 and then I'll come back to this verse 11. So from verse 1 it says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. This is KJV. <laughs> I'm sure you could recognize that. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them, and he spake this parable unto them, saying, Okay, now we skip to verse 11, because I've already explained the other ones. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falleth to me. And he divided them unto his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all there, arose a mighty famine in that land, famine in that land, sorry, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. I'll stop here. So, um, the story of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son, the man had two sons and one came and said, oh yeah, 
daddy, please give me your inheritance. First of all, I want you to imagine that in an African setting. You know what it means for a father, a parent to share their 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 um, belongings to give their children their inheritance. This normally happens when um, that parents, the parents in question is dead, right? Because I mean, that's when there's the will and um, the belongings are located to and what, what, what portion of the man's um, possessions are allocated to the different um, family members and children, right? So you come in to say, oh yeah, daddy, give me my inheritance. That is a big insult, by the way. It is. Let's go on. Let's go to verse 13. Verse 13 said, um, and not so many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. So um, anybody who studies economics, should we know that for this son to quickly um um sell all of his belongings says he gathered all together and took his journey to, for him to just quickly um sell all, all, all his belongings it means he must have sold them cheap right he liquefied his possessions he liquefied his inheritance so he probably sold them cheap i see this is what happens with believers this is what happens with people when like when 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 believers when should I say when people fall, it's usually for something that is not 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 even worth their soul, right? I mean, your soul is worth is worth so much more in as in as invaluable invaluable sorry as a soul is. The priceless blood of Jesus paid that price. So when people fall for things that are less, it's it's normally something that is that is less than their value, something cheap. Hallelujah. Hope you guys are following. And then he says that a great famine came in the land. Verse 15, um, we read, it says, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. First of all, it was an abomination for a Jew to be seen with a pig and much more he, 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 he was working for a foreigner. Verse 16, and he'd fain have filled his belly with the husk and the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. He was so hungry, he almost ate the pig food. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. So he came to his senses and was like, ah, if my father's servants, I'm sure they have food to spare. And me, I'm here starving. Verse 18, he said, I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So his way of getting back to his father was um, through the works mindset. Like, okay, name just, I know I've already wronged him. I'm not even worthy to be called his son anymore. Name just see what I can do, how I can help in the house. And uh, at least I won't be starving anymore. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and, and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. You guys, this is the climax of the story. First of all, the only way the father would have seen him coming from afar was because the father was obviously looking out for him. And this is the same thing that happens with the good shepherd and the lost sheep. 
The shepherd didn't just leave the sheep and say, okay, last last is one, I have 99. No, he went to look for that one. So for the father to have seen Mephahov, he was probably looking out for him. Not probably, he was looking out for him. And then he says that the father um, saw him, had compassion and he ran, he fell on his, he, he ran. Do you know that it was, it was sort of like, um, for the Jews, it was sort of an, like an abomination for, um, for, the, for the men to run. It was abominable because men wore robes. It's like Jalabia, actually. They wore robes. So for him to run, he must have um, pulled it up a bit so it would allow him to run freely, right? So you could see the effort this father puts in to show his son how much he loved him. Hallelujah. And then he found guys and said, okay, daddy, you may have sinned against you. Dad, just come and hire me. And the father said, please, somebody bring the best robe and put it on him. Who has the best robe? God, the father. He didn't even, like, I said, he didn't even, all these things were saying, please, 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 go and bring my clothes. <laughs> Do you understand? Hallelujah. And that's how God takes that, that lost sheep in his arm and gives gives him the garment of righteousness the righteousness of god hallelujah i'm preaching good <laughs> glory to god and so let's continue reading um so it says and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to be merry how did he know his son was lost if he wasn't looking for him this is everything that we see. This is this is one common um, feature that we see in all the parables in this Luke 15. Was it the woman that lost her coin, or the good shepherd that lost his sheep, or or even Hosea in the Old Testament? They were all they all went back to look for this one thing that they loved that was lost. How would you know if it's lost if if you weren't looking for it? <laughs> Hallelujah. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and son, and he was angry. And he would not go in. Therefore his dad came, therefore came his father out and entreated him. That's like he begged him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I deserve, do I serve thee? Neither transgress I at any time thy, um, thy commandments, and yet thou never givest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son ha was come, which had devoured thy living with harlot, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was me that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory, glory, glory be to God. I don't know why. You could see here that the other son was, he was, rep he was representing the publicans, right? The Pharisees, them. Publicans in Luke 15, 1. The people who wanted to please God by works. See what he said in verse 29. And he said, Lo, these many years I serve thee, neither transgress at any time thy commandments. And yet thou never, hey, <clears throat> never givest me a kid. He was looking for a reward from his father through works. And this is what I want you to know. Okay, wait, before I get there. The only 
basically the only difference now between the son and the father, um, sorry, the younger um, son and the elder son was that one that spoke up. Because first of all, you see that this one, okay, you can say the younger one was the sinner. But this older one, he didn't even get it right. I mean, he was trying to attain grace. He was trying to attain a reward by works. Trying to attain salvation by works, and that's not how that's not how that's not how it works. <laughs> this is what I did. Please don't leave me. You can't even leave me. You see my voice. That's not how it works. Salvation is by grace through faith. He didn't do anything to deserve. He, he I mean, and then see after he, he he spoke to his father about his father was like, all I have is yours. But you, you have been trying to work for something that's already on. Kaya, that you are you guys. I hope you're getting this. So the parable of the, of the prodigal son was basically a story depicting those who tried to attain salvation by works, that's the other son, and those who, who were, were lost, <laughs> but later saved by grace, that's the younger son. Hallelujah. Finally, for those who find it hard to forgive people who hurt us, who hurt them, um, I want you to know that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's difficult, but the peace, progress, and freedom that you'd receive is totally worth it. And as a believer, when you do this, when you release that God, you release that hurt, you yield to the working of the Holy Spirit on that hurting heart. And also remember that when you offer forgiveness, you're doing the same thing um, God did, did to you. When you offer forgiveness, you offer the same way God forgave you. Lastly, Romans 5, 5. Let's open to the book of Romans 5. Um, chapter, um, the book of Romans um, chapter 5, verses 5. It says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Also, always remember that Love is a fruit of your newborn spirit. So if you think, if you're, you're finding a heart to um, love or whatever, remember, as I said, that love is a fruit of your newborn spirit. So don't let hard guy trick you into believing that you're not capable of loving. And back to the quote I made initially, the Shakespearean quote. God's love is not blind. He loved us at our lowest and paid the ultimate price. Do you really think there's anything you can do to change that? Do you really think there's anything you can do to change what you never earned in the first place? Until next time, thanks for this opportunity at this day. And I pray for you once again that on hearing this message, you realize how much the one who truly matters loved you and how far he went to prove that to you. God bless you guys. Love you.